2: Those experiences have been so important.
1: This time, Lizzie is on the other side of the mic talking about and performing songs from their brand new album, Half Seas. Basic Folks' 250th episode with Lizzie No is streaming now on the Bluegrass Situation Podcast Network. Join us there or wherever you get podcasts. Welcome to Basic Folk, where we have honest conversations with folk musicians on the Bluegrass Situation Podcast Network. Guess who I am? Can you guess? Just give it one guess Wonder Woman.
2: Hmm. Yes, correct. No, wait, 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 wait. Hillary Clinton. Oh my God. Hillary Rodham Clinton. Ugh, listen. I'm not with her. I
1: am her. I am her. I am a beautiful (laughs) grandmother. Well, welcome. I'm Cindy Howes. I host this podcast. I'm here with Lizzie Noh, who also hosts this podcast. Together, we are the Basic Folk hosts. Hi, Cindy. Hi. It's so great to have you here today, Lizzie. Um, we have a really cool episode featuring Tyrone Cotton coming up. Before we get into that, let's talk about some business. You can sign up for the Basic Folk newsletter. It's a a once-a-month email that lets you know what's happening with the podcast, who's on it, what's on it, how we're feeling about everything about what's on it, and you can sign up for that at a link in the show notes, or you can go to basicfolk.com. You can also follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, at Basic Folk Pod, and we're a listener-supported podcast. We wrapped up our uh, 2023 fall fundraiser. If you contributed, thank you so much. If you did not get a chance to, hey, why don't you go make a contribution? $5 a month. You can get a Basic Folk beanie in the shop at our website. There's also a link in the show notes basicfolk.com slash donate. We are listener supported. Everything that we do made possible by listeners. Today, we're very happy and excited to present an episode featuring Tyrone Cotton.
2: Okay, so there is some important context to this episode. Cindy and I have been talking recently about like what our goals are with basic folk, and I've realized that something that's so important to me is being a historian of folk music and telling the stories of people all over our musical community in different capacities who are making great work in their communities. Nobody is a better example of this than Tyrone Cotton. I came across his music in 2018 when I traveled to Louisville, Kentucky to do a festival with the Louisville Orchestra. Um, And there were several Kentucky artists that were on that lineup and Tyrone just absolutely blew me away. His voice will like stop you in your tracks. Um, So, you know, years later when we, saw an email that he was releasing an album. I was so excited to listen. This is a debut album for Tyrone, but he is by no means a new artist. He has been touring the country and the world for decades, but mostly being like a stalwart of the Louisville, Kentucky music scene. He's constantly giving back, he plays in senior centers, he plays in clubs, he's a frequent collaborator of a lot of different musicians in his scene. And this debut album, which was um, co-produced by Josh Kaufman and Ray Rizzo, is a testament to all of his diverse influences in roots music and to his story as a Kentuckian. So I think you're just gonna absolutely love the album. It's a really cool fusion of different types of genres, and he has really great stories to tell. So we interviewed not only Tyrone, but Ray Rizzo, the producer, to get both the artist and producer perspective on this tremendous debut album. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Tyrone Cotton on Basic Folk.
1: Singer-songwriter Tyrone Cotton just released his debut album, Man Like Me, in 2023. And a quick listen to these songs reveals an artist who has spent decades steeped in Roots music. Lizzie No spoke with Tyrone and Ray Rizzo, one of the album's producers, about Tyrone's journey as an artist and the making of Man Like Me. Our story begins in Louisville, Kentucky, where Tyrone grew up listening to his grandfather and his friends in the neighborhood playing guitar.
3: It's been raining
2: since the middle of June. Okay, Tyrone Cotton, welcome to Basic Folk. All right. I am so excited to have you on here. Um, I first heard your music in 2018, I think, when we played that uh, festival with the Louisville Orchestra. Yeah, that was So that was fun. when I heard that you had a full-length album coming out, I was like, get me the link, get me the link. <laughs> um, let's go back to the very beginning of your journey as a musician, I've read that your grandfather was a reverend and a singer. How would you describe his relationship with music, and how did he influence you as a vocalist and as a storyteller?
4: Well, he wasn't um, like a professional singer or anything. He just had this Mm -hmm. really interesting voice and uh, a unique voice. And I just remember being a little kid. I mean, just really, really young. And listening to him sing in the kitchen one day, in our house, and uh, they just there was something about that that always stuck with me. And uh, it's just one of my earliest kind of recollections of, of of music happening. Yeah, I was just so young, and that voice just really uh, it was captivating.
2: What types of uh, songs did he sing?
4: Well, I mean, most of them were. Uh, you know, of a religious nature, Um, but he liked his blues, he liked uh, Jimmy Reed, Uh, just this old, some old blues stuff that he loved, that he would sing, and uh, I remember one day when I was older, I had my guitar, we went to the park, and we just jammed on some blues, that was kind of, uh, it was fun, just a nice memory, Mm -hmm. hanging out with my grandfather, and uh, pumping out some songs, and one time we actually did a a show together. Stop!
2: That's <laughs> so amazing.
4: Yeah, he did a, and he did some, oh, uh, some tunes like St. Louis Blues and some things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was funny. It was fun. It's like a great memory.
2: Now, tell me, I want to hear about your early experiences playing guitar. Like, when you were first getting started on the guitar, was there a guitarist that you heard that made you think, like, I want to sound like that?
4: Uh, you know, I I used to hang out with some people in, in my neighborhood, and some of them were, uh, you know, they played guitar. And I remember um, I had some, they were a little bit older, but friends, uh, and they would rehearse in the neighborhood. And I was like, I don't know. there were just so, There was something about it I was drawn to you know just uh just yeah i just really liked it i was just uh seemed like i couldn't get enough of it and uh then there was a guy that had a guitar for sale and uh yeah so i got my first guitar it was uh, a kingston i still have it we paid 60 bucks for it and nothing special about the guitar other than the memories it de- it didn't play very well, <laughs> <laughs> but that was my first. Like
2: having a nice guitar for your first guitar is a different, uh, is a different thing. Like there's some, there's definitely honor in having like a very bare bones instrument for your first one.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it definitely wasn't fancy and, you know, mm-hmm. I- I still have it, and I tried to get, I was thinking about getting some work done on it just to get it restored. And But the uh, the repairman said it probably wouldn't be a good idea just to leave it alone as it is, and which is fine. Yeah. And uh, so it's just uh, a piece that sits in my uh, living room or my main space, and uh, I just look at it, you know
2: good to remember where you came from.
5: Yeah,
2: yeah. Love not always come easy
3: I'm hoping it finds a way
1: With a $60 guitar and a dream, Tyrone headed off to music school studying classic guitar under David Kelsey. Looking back, he believes that music school broadened his horizons as a musician.
4: Well, those, those years, uh, I think... You know, Kelsey, he was you know he taught me a lot about technique and mm-hmm. getting different sounds out of the instrument, and uh, you know, sometimes he would present a piece of music, and I can still hear him to this day saying, "Can you make music out of that?" You know I mean, it's <laughs> it's um you're okay, here's the song." But he says, but make music out of it, you know, make it sing, make it sing. You know, it's just, uh, it's one thing to play the notes, but does it have personality? And Mm -hmm. yeah, his thing, yeah, I remember him just, like I said, saying those words, make music out of it. That that was kind of big. I I don't know, there was something about that that stuck with me. And in those days, uh, let's see, I just heard so much music, which was just, invaluable, you know, just uh, to listening to so much all the time and, uh, yeah, it just opened a lot of doors, yeah, about possibilities and just, uh, yeah, I was just kind of getting an education, just uh, kind of uh, all around, not just for um, guitar, but uh, just kind of broadening my horizons about music in general.
2: I wonder, do you, did you ever feel a tension between your own individuality as an artist, like your authentic creator self, and the really like formal structure that you have to kind of fit into um, to succeed in the like educational setting? Like, did you ever feel like there was a tension between those two? Or do you have advice for if there are music students who are like, I want to learn from the greats, but I also want to stay true to myself? Like, how did you handle that uh, dynamic?
4: Um, I guess there was so much work that needed to be done, just like trying to get some of the guitar stuff together, that uh, Mm -hmm. I was just trying to keep up with that alone, you know. I wasn't, uh, (laughs) that was a challenge enough at the time, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I kind of later went back and you know put myself my into the equation, kind of uh, you know. Well, let me put it like this: uh, like at, at WKU, you know, even though you know I was doing the classical guitar, but you know, like on the weekends, some weekends there was a. You know, or some couple of times during the week, occasionally get a chance to play out or something, and
2: mm-hmm. then
4: I just did my own thing, you know? I was just kind of uh, developing, didn't think about it at the time, but um, just my thing, you know? I was just kind of put it, getting that together. There was a place called the Catacombs, and there was a coffee shop, and every now and then I would go to play, and it was, you know, it was kind of invaluable to play out in front of people. Right. And uh, it always made me a nervous wreck to perform in front of people back then. Yeah, there was, I learned a lot, just getting in front of people.
2: Yeah, that fear factor, you kind of have to, like, just push through it. There's no way around stage fright.
4: (laughs) There isn't, yeah. Sometimes I would just be a mess, you know. I guess uh but yeah, you just got to push through it. I guess some people the hams as they put it natural hams and
2: mm-hmm.
4: they just feed <laughs> off feed off of that, but uh I was I was a little more reluctant.
2: But you've like I feel like what I know of you is that you are just like a consummate live performer how did you develop into someone that like really had a routine and a rhythm on the road when it didn't come naturally? Like, was there a tipping point where you were like, oh, I think I know what I'm doing now? Or was it just over time you felt more and more comfortable?
4: Uh, I think over time you just feel, yeah, Mm -hmm. over time, the more you do it, just get more comfortable with it. But I don't know. I've also found that that sometimes it's like, oh, you, you you play a bunch of shows or whatever, then, you know, you were really comfortable, then all of a sudden you do one where you're just, there's like, for some reason, who knows what happened, why, uh, it can be just a mystery, but then you just kind of, something just makes you nervous about a particular show. Or, yep. Or maybe it's the room, maybe you're like, oh, I'm playing at this certain place, and all these different people have played here that some of them that you are aware of and you're like oh man that's i don't know this room has kind of gotten me nervous or something and uh mm-hmm. yeah, you know it's just in the head but yeah every now and then that's that that hard stage fright can slip back
2: well thank you for admitting it because <laughs> i feel that way too <laughs>
1: He might have started out as a hesitant performer, but Cotton leaned into his craft and into his musical community. He has become a stalwart of the Louisville music scene, playing club shows and a standing gig at a local senior center where he brings the house down with soul classics. This is where producer Ray Rizzo enters our story. A Kentuckian since the age of 11, he was well versed in the Louisville music scene when he came across Tyrone and his music at the Rudyard Kipling.
5: When I was 11, I moved uh, with my family to Louisville, Mm -hmm. Kentucky. I say Louisville when I'm out of town, Right. it's Louisville. Louisville. Right. (laughs) Uh, Got involved in the music scene, kind of the more bohemian side Mm -hmm. of the music scene, which sort of gravitated around a venue called the Rudyard Kipling. So before I was actually of age to go to bars, uh, there was the Rudyard where we could sneak in the back and sit and listen to music and that was when i first heard tyrone i think the first song i ever heard him play was boots of spanish leather Mm. the bob dylan at the time there was a band in louisville that was really really popular they were called domani Mm -hmm. and they were kind of like a i don't know nowadays they'd they'd fit totally in an americana kind of thing but at Mm -hmm. the time there wasn't quite a term for it i remember one night Tyrone opening, just sitting with a guitar and singing. Mm -hmm. That was just how I saw him around. Mm -hmm. And uh, little by little, I got to play with musicians. And uh, a coffee house opened up in town called Twice Told Coffee Shop down on Bardstown Road. Tyrone was playing a lot at the time with a guitar player named John Grammer. Mm -hmm. And I had sat in with John sometimes. So it was just inevitable. We had one night where we sat in, and I remember I was playing a bass drum and a beer keg, and some shakers. It was a very kind of Tom Waitsy yep. sort of affair. It burned in my brain how meaningful that making music was with Tyrone mm. at that time. That uh, it, you know, there there are things you do as a musician that it's not always conscious, but you know you're you're seeking something out, and it's something that you have some kind of previous experience with. Mm-hmm. Playing with Tyrone has always been that kind of experience. He's so deep inside what he's saying and and doing. It's an extraordinary thing. Yeah, we met that way, and naturally, he, he had a, made a lot of friends. I, I moved to New York in 2004, and already he was coming to town and playing with poets and doing things. But then once I came to town, we would kind of make plans at least once a year. Well, after a while, yeah, it, it started being kind of on the regular that he would come to town and we would play and we'd throw a band together. And so it's just kind of evolved that way.
3: She said, We may meet again.
1: You never know. Just like yesterday and the day before. Ray's admiration for Tyrone's songwriting and his musical instincts was a guiding principle as they went into the studio to record Man Like Me. Rizzo had spent years watching Cotton perform and wanted to make sure that he captured the magic he had witnessed so many
2: times. To me, one of the most fascinating things about the recording process is that tricky process where you try to get genuine Emotionally resonant performances from musicians even though they're like sitting alone in a room with headphones on no audience and Tyrone is a consummate live performer. He has played everywhere. He's played all over the world and he's a a staple of the Louisville scene, but this is a debut album for him. So what role did his identity as a performer play in the studio and were there things that you did as a producer to try to help encourage that live persona to come through in the studio.
5: Well there's a lot to say to that first off, for what it's worth I think for the world at large, this is Tyrone's debut record but uh back in in the early aughts, Tyrone made a record in Louisville a fantastic record that i i it might be on c d baby but it was uh it, it was produced by a musician in town named uh Danny Kylie, and the reason I mention that is because part of going into the record was definitely i, I was so in love with his songs and feeling the pressure of how to render them uh in a way that would would feel timeless or and i recognized that tyrone's previous music often had an upright bass on it a lot of the situations where we'd play live would be a pretty quiet affair as far as the rhythm section was concerned so i wanted to kind of build on what i'd already heard tyrone do in recordings and also create a scenario that would be really effortless for him josh and i have worked together for years in a lot of scenarios and uh, and a lot of times we uh work together with dan goodwin the engineer of the record i had some idea how what it was going to be like if we came together and worked and i think to answer your question the uh the only suggestion that uh, that I had going into it was that we set up very close together and not use headphones and Tyrone just sing and play in the room. He played and
2: sang at the same time?
5: Played and sang at the same time. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, we did. The, all of the tracks are, are live. the The rhythm section as well. And there's a few wow. tunes where Josh joined on piano as we were tracking. After the basic track was done and we had something we liked you know there were there would be some overdubbing that took place
2: that really is a testament to everybody's timing
5: yeah yeah and we were we were really tyrone and i were really fortunate when he would come to new york uh we i mentioned we'd play with different people and about a year we had talked for a couple of years about making a record mm-hmm. and i talked about how cool it would be if we could get together with josh and and make something and uh as it became a little more of a real possibility, we, we met a bass player named Vin Warner. Vin plays a lot with uh, Johnny Markowski, who's played with New Riders of the Purple Sage. And Vin sat in with us once, and it felt like we the band could go anywhere, and we could go anywhere at a really soft dynamic. So... So he he became a pretty integral, then became a pretty integral part to how we were able to uh, record the way we did.
2: Wow. Were there moments in the studio where you set off in one direction and then had to turn back around because you felt like you were straying away from, you know, what Tyrone's songs should sound like? Like, did you ever have to kind of change your mind and, and start over?
5: Yeah, I, I just I just felt like a little wave of anxiety thinking. Oh about no, it, I'm sorry. Oh no, 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 <laughs> it's cool. Because it, who it, among it was-
2: us has not been there?
5: <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I don't think we went down a path where we were, you know, part of the way down and decided, okay, this isn't working. But but we did set out to really go in some distinctly different places. Something that was important to Tyrone was that he didn't want to make. Uh, I mean, playing in Louisville and and being so influenced by the blues, people would often say, oh, he's a blues blues musician. Or, you know, even R&B felt like, you know, it didn't really represent the folk side of what he did.
3: Time for me to go back. Time for me to go back. Time for me. Go back, time for me to go back.
1: Tyrone focused on making sure that each recording represented the essence of the song without too many bells and whistles getting in the way.
4: And when you start listening, sometimes you realize, man, this is like it's too cluttered, too thick. It's like, what what am I focusing in on here? in the that I don't want to diminish that, you know, and uh, so how do I bring that out if I want this to be a, me, a vocal record or whatever? How does how does this become a vocal record, you know, where that's emphasized, you know, uh, maybe the bass parts or the drum parts or any part, you um, You know, you get the detail just to uh, make sure that uh, you're going where you want to go with something. And just, uh, oh, man, just uh, keeping the energy there, the focus of what kind of record it is that you're trying to make.
2: Right, because when you're in the studio, you have a million different options. Yep. So you have to be really smart about fine-tuning what is clutter and what is necessary. Right. Maybe we could talk about a specific song. I, I was really struck by the arrangement of Go Back. Um, I felt like the percussion and the strings just perfectly complemented the storytelling. So what were some of the emotions you were trying to capture with that song, and how did you go about arranging that song, Go Back?
4: Well, Go Back, it was a little difficult at first. What
2: was difficult about it?
4: Well, the way I was playing it live. It didn't have the same groove,
2: mm-hmm.
4: and the groove was thicker on the. Rec- I mean, the groove was more pronounced on the recording. Yeah, it was like when I was playing it, I always played it solo, and I could do certain things. I could take certain liberties.
2: Do you mean like with the t- with the flow of tempo and? Yeah, I was just kind of finger picking it, fe- like a it. different feel.
4: Yeah, yeah, it was uh there was when I'm playing it solo of course there's no piano and there's um, oh I don't know, it was just it was almost like a super folksy and so it was it was a hard one to wrestle to the ground. Mm. But it finally came through. Um and the way I was playing it solo didn't really work with the way that it um the recording, so some things had to be thought about and um, it changed a bit. So, yeah, I remember um, trying to go back. Uh, I don't know. I feel like there's like like there's a lot of emotion in that song, in the lyrics. Yeah.
5: And uh,
4: yeah, I hope that came across
5: in the recording. I think it did. We wanted to do something that didn't sound like anything else, so in on his songs on the record, uh, Man Like Me and Go Back are two mm-hmm. examples I can think of where I feel like Josh and myself and Dan, the engineer who really needs to be mentioned for what he created on the record. We were able to kind of apply some of the talents that we had to kind of create a different atmosphere for Tyrone's voice to be heard. I think that's the simplest way to put it, is that we wanted to construct something that was just a new space, a new environment for Tyrone's songs to live in. I think going into it, the only thing we pulled from the real world to kind of give give a bit of a, a direction was the uh, the first Latin Playboys record. Mm, yeah. that uh, The textures in that record and the way that the songs come across is like, they feel like urgent folk songs but the music around it feels like it's coming from a whole other universe. The songs kept their integrity, but, you know, there's production.
2: Yeah.
4: Yeah, it was like just the right amount, I felt like, uh, the right balance. You know, I mean, sometimes if you take a, you could have a song and it can go too heavy yeah. one way. I don't know, I just felt like there was a balance.
2: Do you have an example of that, of like when a song started to go off track and you guys had to like write the ship?
4: Well, A Man Like Me was a little hard, to, difficult to record, just getting the groove. Yeah. I mean, I used to play it faster than the recording. And with the band, the, the groove that I was using and in the studio with the band, it just something wasn't clicking and uh yeah, with the production with uh, Josh and Ray, and you know, we finally once again it got wrestled to the ground, and finally, you know, it just uh, yeah yeah it just kind of came out. I, mean, I don't know, a song like that you could probably play it five different ways, and it would it may work. Right. You know, uh, I took a lot of criticism from some friends once they heard the recorded version. You know, I was. Like, Whoa. accused of ruining the song
2: <laughs> oh my gosh you have really direct friends like you deserved that windstorm you've ruined yourself <laughs> with friends like these
4: and one, <laughs> who needs enemies one lady says she hated it
2: <laughs>
4: wow which was fine i mean i don't That doesn't bother me.
2: Tyrone, are you being honest? That would really bother me if someone said they hated my song. Well, she
4: liked the other version. Uh, Got it. So, you know, uh, in my reaction was, uh, well, you know, I'm not getting, I wish it was like the other recordings that you did way back or that was more you it's not more it's just uh, it's just different you know and uh, I believe in it I believe in it and uh, you know maybe you don't um, maybe I feel like you don't quite get something here or whatever you're entitled to this and no it doesn't yeah it doesn't really bother no that's fine
3: candles burning in the middle of the night Don't be afraid to look me in the eye Come on and smile Lay it on the table So it's plain to see What are you doing here With a man like me See the deal has been cut The deal is done The Lord's paying even money The devil's paying five to one I understand You're afraid And you don't want to get mixed up With a man like me You don't want to get mixed up With a man
1: like me If the confident, eclectic roots of Man Like Me are any indication, Tyrone Cotton has more stories to tell and will be lucky to listen. What makes this album special is what makes the best Americana album special. A patchwork of influences and traditions, the best of contemporary recording techniques, and a singular storytelling voice.
4: Yeah, I want to make another record. I don't know what kind of record. You know, I hope, Mm -hmm. hopefully it'll be different than the last. I just I don't, don't want to keep doing the same thing that's what I'm trying to say yeah yeah Yeah. always something a little different
2: if each album is like a little bit of a different genre wise or or in terms of the production yeah. like what would you what, what would you want like your legacy to be what do you want the unifying theme to be uh, like across your releases mm.
4: oh I don't know I mean uh, quality and uh, mm-hmm. covered a little more ground each time mm. I love that. It, it kept moving forward. It, it kept moving. It didn't. Yeah, I wouldn't want to make the same record twice.
5: I mean, even now, if you hear him play like it, 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 you know, he's really generous with the musicians he plays with. And and I mean this in the best way. He doesn't really put a lot of thought into how he's going to play the song. He just gets inside of it. And, and we all get to follow him and, and tell the story with him. So the future is definitely unwritten for him I just hope that in a much broader way he's able to move people the way that he's moved me and a a lot of the people who already know who he is
3: sometimes dreams come true oh I know cause I have you you're my morning flower my blue sky too. golden starlight.
1: I love you. This episode was produced by Lizzie No and edited by Sarah Wardrop Today's and Cindy House. Basic folk is on the Bluegrass Tomorrow. Situation Podcast Network. You can find all of our episodes there, wherever you get podcasts. You can also check us out on the SiriusXM app by searching for Basic Folk
2: or check out our website, basicfolk.com. You should share this episode with a friend. Specifically, if there's somebody that you see regularly in your life, for example, the barista at a coffee shop you go to a lot, or a friend of a friend who every time you see them, you're like, let's get lunch, let's catch up, let's stay in touch, and you never really follow up with that person. This episode needs to be sent to that person in your life because you'll be able to let them know, even though I haven't really kept up with you, I do care. And here's an amazing podcast. I'm thinking about you, and we're thinking
1: about all of you, especially you. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. We'll talk to you next time. Go listen to Lizzie Knows' album, Hapsies. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.